Yeah, I think we all get in that tunnel vision of like, I have this going on, you know, I can't look past anything and we stress ourselves out. And so, you know, if you have the opportunity to take a step away, even if it's a week or two, right. And kind of see how you can maybe change things up. I try to do that myself. And that's one reason too, I like to move around a lot because it helps me get a new perspective on, you know, how I can maybe increase my quality of life or increase, you know, my production and what I'm working towards. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, as always, Yona Weiss, on this podcast that we, I don't know what it is, a podcast, it's a just a conversation. We call it a podcast, but I don't know, I think it's like a talk show is what I like to call it. So we'll see. Anyways, without further ado, I'd love to bring on my guest today, Zach Harris. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. It's great to have you. We met back in December last year, I think, over at David, your partner. Yeah. Yeah. David Tupin, who we had on the show not so long ago also. Amazing, amazing stuff what you guys are doing out there. For our listeners who don't know, who's this Harith guy? What's his story? Give us a little background. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little about yourself. First and foremost, I appreciate you <laughs> pronouncing my name correctly. It's, I think there's like, I can maybe count on my one hand where somebody's pronounced it correctly. I don't get too upset, but you can always appreciate that. So thanks. But Yes, I guess jumping right in, obviously doing some projects with David Tupin. It has been such a blessing to be able to work with him. You know, we met four or five years ago at a, I think it was a Rod Cleef conference. And, you know, it was a situation where, you know, it was, hey, you guys are the two younger guys in the room. Right. You should get to know each other, right? So it was, oh, hey, you know, how are you doing? And at the time, I think I had just purchased my first apartment building and he was maybe in his like, House hacking is 96 units. So it was kind of cool to meet somebody who's a little farther ahead. But yeah, so fast forward a few years, I am currently down in Austin, Texas, and got a few different projects going on. You know, we've got self storage fund that we just started. Gosh, it's been a couple months since we've launched that. So raising about $10 million to acquire uh, self storage facilities oh. around Central Texas. And what that kind of looks like is, you know, mom and pop kind of not so efficiently ran or operated facilities. We've just you know rolled that out, but I got my start in the real estate game as a real estate agent down in Florida, Okay, believe it or not. And I was set out to get my real estate license to sell like million dollar homes on the beach. Right. And that did not really go too well. Then I found myself doing leasing to college students while I was in school. And so I was working on that for a little while. It wasn't a whole lot of money, but I kind of had a thought of, man, some of these landlords are making more money on a monthly basis than I am for like a one-time commission, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, man, I think I'm, I need to get on the other side of this. And so that pushed me to move back home to Indianapolis where I'm from. Oh, cool. And at the time, start buying some cheaper homes, right? $20,000, $30,000 houses. And that's kind of how we started the snowball of you know buying apartments and single family homes and you know rolling the sleeves up, if you will. First of all, I just want to say that's pretty awesome that like you really got started while still in college into this whole real estate investing thing. I mean, that's kind of unique, you know, not unique, but it's not very common. Let's put it that way. Correct. Yep. Yeah, it, it was different. I, like I said, the whole, you know, you see these TV shows and, you know, the guys that are like these, I think when new folks think about real estate, they think 
I need my real estate license. And that's kind of where I was, mm-hmm. right? And I got to the point where I'm, you know, a sophomore in college and I'm like, man, I'm not really good at this, right? And so <laughs> that's where I was like, I need some sort of money, right? So I kind of found a niche in renting to college students because, you know, friends or, you know, just people you meet in class. Hey, what are you guys doing for housing this semester? Right. Oh, we need a house. You know, a couple of us are, you know, trying to group together. And I had a lot of fun with that. I mean, probably more than what I probably should have, but there was a lot of like, the apartment type stuff, especially on universities, mm-hmm. it's very seasonal, right? So you have a ton of people that need housing and it, you know, for the rest of the semester, the rest of the year, it doesn't, you know, it's kind of boring. Yeah. So student housing is a, a yeah, student housing is an interesting asset class because like you said, they're, you know, they're really only rented out for like eight, nine months out of the year. You know, one of the owners do during that lag period, I guess they have to totally re- renovate. <laughs> like, well, what a lot know? of people do is they sign a full year lease, right? And then the parents guarantee the lease. So I kind of learned all about that. And when I moved back to Indianapolis, I knew that I did not want to get into student rentals after, you know, having that experience and probably being at some of the parties that went on, right? Yeah, they're definitely not following the lease terms, that's for sure. Exactly. Holes in the wall, you know, everything imaginable. But I was thankful for that experience. It was cool. Yeah, I lived in uh, an apartment building in in college in San Diego State, which is one of the biggest party schools in the country. That's not why I went there. Just full disclosure here. <laughs> not going into the history of that, but I've seen some of, you know, I, I know what goes on over there. It's, it's pretty wild. Yes, indeed. Man. So a little bit of freedom for some people goes a long way. <laughs> a little too, yeah, a little too long of a way. I mean, college students are notorious for just like not having any responsibility. Not all college students are like that. Obviously, you were in a different boat taking responsibility and, and getting that job and really... It wasn't a job. Yeah. You were really doing it on your own, right? It's like an entrepreneur in a sense. Yeah. How did you yep. figure out that you know the apartment buildings were going to be more lucrative than, let's say, the single family fix and flips that you were doing? Was it just like kind of trial and error? Let's try this. Let's try that. Or did something Honestly, come your way? It was very organic. I got to the point where I started, you know, with one single family. Excuse me. Did a couple flips. Started to accumulate a little bit of money. And I realized, excuse me, that, you know, I started backing my way into the numbers and I'm like, okay, if I can buy a house for $30,000, it rents for six or 700 bucks. If I want to get to, you know, five grand a month, 10 grand a month, how many of those homes do I need? Right. And how much cash am I going to have to go invest? And as I started doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to have to make a lot of income or, you know, go raise a lot of money to be able to go and do this. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I started to educate myself on, you know, apartment buildings. And I think that's where I started the, you know, there's a ton of free resources out there, right? The podcast, the books, I was, you know, reading sure. Dave, bigger pockets, yeah, Dave Lindell, yeah. bigger pockets, you know, Rod Clay, all those guys. And I was just going, I was drinking the Kool-Aid to figure out, Hey, this is legitimate, right? This was 2017, I believe 2018. The market was, you know, wasn't as hot as what it you know was in the last couple months, but that's when I found my first apartment building. And luckily I had experienced some appreciation from the single families that I had and was able to sell one of those in 1031 into it. So nice. the term syndication, I wasn't really familiar with, still haven't done a syndication today. I, it was always, you know, joint venture. Hey, you got 50 grand. Okay. You got 50 grand. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go figure it out. Right. And so as I All started right. looking at it on a bigger scale, it started to make more sense for me to, you know, you hear the term more doors on one roof, but I was really allowed the opportunity to learn that on that first 10 unit and via self-management. I mean, I didn't have the place inspected, right? Like 
I made some major mistakes <laughs> that as a junior in college were probably good because looking back, I really could have gotten burned and I didn't. So I dodged a bullet. <laughs> thank Yeah. Thank God for yeah. that. That's pretty yeah. crazy. But you also, I mean, with those joint ventures, you have more Correct. control Correct. and you have more Correct. say. So there's a yes. trade-off, you know, I mean, obviously syndicating has a lot of, you know, it's very yeah. cool. It's what everyone's doing. But at the same time, you know, you don't really have amount of control. You don't have the amount of equity right. that you would if you just did it uh, yep. on your own. But there are limitations as well to doing on your own the joint ventures. You kind of have, it's hard it to is. scale. It is. Um, and, and depending upon, you know, what part of the country you're in, I was in the Midwest where property is very cheap. I mean, that first 10 unit was 125 mm-hmm. grand, right? So it's a little bit different story when you're looking at properties that are, you know, a couple million dollars. You right. have to have some investors that have deep pockets that trust you, you know, be able to, to still joint venture on those. So I kind of lucked out with where the properties were, you know, priced at as well. And so then, you know, fast forward a little bit, a couple of years later, you meet up with David at this conference, you guys are in your like early mid twenties and killing it in real estate. How did that partnership like form that you're like, Hey, why don't we do some deals together? Yeah. When we first met, like we weren't really friends. I mean, obviously we weren't like, Oh my gosh, I hate this guy. It wasn't like a competition (laughs) thing, but he was in Michigan. I was in Indiana. And I think a few years after that, after we met, he moved down here to Texas and he I think was dating someone or had started to see someone from Indianapolis. So then a little more time in the Indianapolis market. And we were, you know, kind of got together a few times, hung out. And then once he moved down to Austin, we still kept in touch. And he's like, hey, you know, I'm having some people down. So it was one of those like a few years ago, hey, you know, come down once. And that's the first time I'd ever been in Austin before. And I really liked it. So I don't know if it was a sales pitch or what, you know, a few years ago, but we were always friendly and yeah, over the last couple of years, I've been down to Austin here a few times. And then, gosh, I think it was about a year and a half ago. He's like, Hey, why don't you come down to Austin, you know, for a couple months and see how you like it? And I was like, ah, no, like I don't want to get into that, right? I've got too much stuff going on here. And at the time I was still buying more apartments. I was doing some brokerage work. And it was hard for me to think about how I could get away from that. Right. Mm. I was really, you know, I guess physically present, if you will. And so COVID hit which, you know, kind of changed the environment a lot as far as working right. remote, being remote. And so last May, I moved down, I, I packed my bags. I said, hey, I'll, I'll come for 90 days, right? And what we kind of made a joke about was like the 90-day deal challenge. So I got there May 1 and he was like, hey, you know, let's take 90 days. Let's see if we can get in any projects together down here. And, you know, we'll see what happens. So fast forward, we ended up finding a few opportunities, one of which is a condo conversion that I'm sitting in today. And then the first project before the condo conversion was a few lots out in an airport that's being redeveloped. Mm. And he just ordered a plane. So his plane will arrive next April and he needs a place to go and, and park that. And I don't know anything about the aviation space whatsoever. It was kind of cool. So like the second day I was here, we drive out to some like middle of nowhere airport and they're like, yeah, we're selling these lots, you know, 50,000 a piece. And I'm like, man, it's pretty cheap, <laughs> like for down here. Right. And he's like, yeah, okay, maybe I should buy a lot. I was like, dude, we should buy a couple of these and see like, maybe we could spec build or flip them or something. Right. And so, yeah, it was myself, him and and one other partner. You may know Tori Sheffer. Yeah. We were like, Hey, let's just each buy a lot and we can, you know, build one big hanger, a couple of them. And so that was kind of the first project I got into. And then the condo conversion kind of came a few months later. And that's pretty cool. We got some things down here because I didn't want to be down in Austin without 
anything going on. Right. Right. I don't know why I'm wired like that, but I was like, I want to have something that I can get my hands into. So we got those two going. And then the same airport that we bought the lots at had a kind of a rundown storage facility there. And when we first pulled up there in early May last year, I was like, man, we should take a look at buying this thing. Like I'd never bought storage before David. We were you know, mainly apartment guys. Right. And the owner was, she was elderly and I think she was in her early nineties and was the you know facility was just, you know, she didn't want to run anymore. And I think her father had given it to her. So it was honestly perfect timing. Wow. So we ended up purchasing that last year, you know, later in the year, like December. And, you know, man, there might be some opportunity here for some of this stuff. Sure. And so that's how we, you know, figured, Hey, let's try to go do a small fund. And Tori is also involved in that. So it's the three of us. And yeah, that's been the last year or so of work. here. Yeah. Just learn about storage, how to run those deals. It's a totally different space, right? Absolutely. So it's been fun, but you know, at the same token, I've also been seeing some of my portfolio grow in the Midwest and, you know, learning how to kind of operate that remotely has Mm -hmm. really been big for my business. And so, you know, a lot of appreciation for, you know, to David, you know, cause he's always always like, ah, dude, you're going to do way more business if you move, you know? And I was like, you're crazy, man. Like (laughs) I need to be here. And so moving down here has really helped my perspective change and kind of look at things, you know, a little bit different of, you know, how I can operate and and grow as a person and an investor as well. That's really cool because you can't, we really don't think that we can make things work mm-hmm. outside of our current situation Correct. when we're in that. And so we have, and I feel the same way myself, like I'm in this space, I'm doing this, I'm located here and I can't really see myself doing anything else at the current moment. Yep. But only when you kind of open yourself up to opportunity and just take action. I mean, for you, it was literally just moving, you know, a thousand miles away. Yep. Taking that action opened you up to, you know, these new opportunities where now, I mean, you wouldn't have had this self-storage fund. You wouldn't have had, you know, this cool asset classes. I mean, who buys like commercial airplane hangar, right? (laughs) Like, or, you know, a lot to build one. It's just amazing. Yeah. It's, I think we all get in that tunnel vision of like, I have this going on, you know, I can't look past anything and we stress ourselves out. And so, you know, if you have the opportunity to take a step away, even if it's a week or two, right. And kind of see how you can maybe change things up. I try to do that myself. And that's one reason too, I like to move around a lot because it helps me get a new perspective on, you know, how I can maybe increase my quality of life or increase, you know, my production and what I'm working towards. Right. So where do you like to go? Have you been traveled a bit? Yeah. So I'm a little bit of a digital nomad to tell you the truth. So, you know, Austin right now is home base for me, but I have a place down in Fort Myers that, you know, when it gets a little colder here, I really dislike the cold weather. So part of the push to move from Indianapolis was, man, I don't like the winters, right? Yeah. So mid COVID, I got an apartment down there in, in Fort Myers and I'm looking to expand my reach down there as far as properties, but yeah, I've been out of the country. I haven't been to Europe just yet. I really want to to get over there, but I'm just trying to set myself up to, you know, have a little more like less involvement in my day to day, right? So that's been getting away from the location itself from Indianapolis has kind of changed my, like I said, my paradigm on right. how I can operate, you know, as a whole. So for sure, as long as it's the warm weather, you sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty warm in Austin, right? Mm-hmm. It stays pretty warm most of the time. Yeah, there's only Austin. a couple months out of the year. It's, it's still bearable, but you know, if you have the option, the freedom, go somewhere warmer. 
do you see over the next like few years, like any goals? I mean, obviously this new fund, $10 million fund, first of all, that I'm sure that'll fill up like within a couple of weeks you know, <laughs> once you launch that. But where do you see yourself going in the next couple of years? Yeah. So, I mean, originally I used to be the guy that was like, I need X amount of doors. I need X amount of, you know, yada, yada, yada. And for me, as of late, like I said, you know, earlier, I really look at ways I can increase my quality of life. Right. And I think we get so caught up in the like hustle and bustle day to day of, you know, I need this much cash. I need to be worth this much. I need, you know, X, Y, Z. And personally, you know, my, you know, short term, my three to five is, Hey, look, like make more time for yourself. Right. And I think when you can really double down on personal development and where you're going, not just as a business person, but as a human being, right. I think that that like your why, if you will, becomes a little clear. And so just trying to focus more so on, you know, relationships, your health, things like that for me is really what pushes me. And, you know, I talk to people like, man, you seem like you're always in the gym, like all the time. I got, dude, I, you know, as long as I have my phone with me, I don't mind taking calls and pushing emails around, but, you know, I see myself having a pretty good stretch or or reach on a portfolio in the Midwest and then Mm -hmm. also increasing my reach down here in Austin and the Florida market. So it's kind of like a triangle for me of, you know, interest as far as areas. I want to just keep, you know, doing deals with people that I like, right? I wake up every day and I, I think people probably assume I'm crazy, but I really do enjoy you know, just pushing stuff around with people that I genuinely like doing business with, right? I don't right. really get that stressed about it. I have fun. And yeah, at times, like there's certain things that kind of rub you the wrong way. But, you know, all in all, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to be able to just wake up every day and go have a ton of fun, right? Yeah. And that's where I think people in this space get maybe in the wrong direction because it's like, well, this person has how many doors? And like, I don't look at that anymore. Right. And it sounds terrible when some people, how many doors you have? I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Here's, I got like X amount of properties and this is, you know, kind of where I'm going. So that's what I focus on. And, you know, it all comes back to quality of life and freedom of time for me. Yeah. hundred percent. There's so much of that. I think whenever you look outside of yourself, you're looking at other people, that's like the source of depression. I mean, correct you can't compare yourself to anyone else. And sure, there is that aspect where, you know, you can compare yourself because you want to strive for greatness. You want to be inspired. You want to do something that you see other people doing something that inspires you to do a similar thing, but not to think, well, oh, being jealous or thinking that other people yeah. have it, therefore I need to keep up with them or anything like that. I think we need to make our own goals. We need to make our own what's good for our personal, mm-hmm. you know, health and mental Absolutely. health. And don't get caught up. You know, it's hard, especially yeah. social media. You see, oh, this person has a hundred thousand followers, and like <laughs> I try to keep it light, right? I mean, when you're original self, I think you know it is your runway for creativity, for fulfillment in business and life, whatever. If you can stay true to yourself, then I think you're always going to be in good shape, as opposed to you know always kind of watching somebody else. And it's it's like you said, not that you can't be inspired by those folks. But I don't think you should be intimidated because there are a million and one ways to go make, you know, a fortune in whatever business vertical, right? And so that's where I think the over the last couple of years, my perspective on money has changed. My perspective on life, like I'm 25, right? I've got a long time. I'm not trying to waste that time. Right. But I'm also trying to be tactical about, you know, what I'm getting myself into, who I'm surrounding myself with, 
you know, some of those important things that I think can help your success longer term. And like I said, ultimately contribute to the quality of life. Yeah. So true. That's awesome. Zach, I want to transition now. Time flies on this podcast to what we call the final four. Okay. These are four questions I ask all my guests. First question is, what's the worst job that you ever had? I think it's kind of a tie. I was waiting tables when I was in high school. And this is before I started my, I started a business like my junior year of high school. So this would have been like my sophomore year of high school, just after I could start driving. And I was waiting tables at the, I think it was a VFW or a, yeah, I think it was a VFW maybe. I don't know. And terrible. I mean, like people come in there, you know, it's not like it's a, a regular restaurant where there's a lot of foot traffic. And man, I just remember that summer having absolutely no money. Right. You know, you go serve somebody and like try to be personable. And so mm-hmm. I would say between that thing and then I spent another summer, I think it was shortly after this, I might have switched jobs and I was stacking veneer for a whole summer in this like factory. Wow. And I thought it was cool because my dad had known the owner of this company and he was like, Oh yeah, he's gonna pay you cash and you know, all this other stuff. And it was like, it sucked. It was like 110 degrees oh, no. in there, no AC, <laughs> you know, you have splinters in your hands. Like you know what veneer is, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's, that's and, crazy. <laughs> oh man, that gave me such a respect for, you know, the value of a dollar and what work looked like. And, you know, it was just like, man, I do not want to be doing this. So yeah, probably a tie between those two. Wow. Those both sound like very exciting, very fun yeah, jobs. Oh, no. But you mentioned something there. I don't want to leave this on the table. You mentioned you started a business your junior year in high school. What was that? So my junior and senior year, I forget how I came. Actually, there was the guy who was like family friends with my parents who worked at this like tool, one of the tool manufacturers, and they sold tools like power tools, auto parts, all that kind of stuff. Okay. For cars. And they had this warehouse and they would have what they deemed like damaged goods or things that they had to basically write off, whether it be like in a truck accident or people returned them. And they would basically just sell this to a discount to the public. And so this guy's like, yeah, there's a warehouse, just like all kinds of stuff. And I was like, all right. And so (laughs) I was like, I convinced my dad to lend me like 600 bucks and rent this like Penske truck or, you know, it was like 24 foot Penske, 24 foot or long Penske trucks. So I went and I bought a few pallets from this tool company. And I had my parents pull all the cars out of the garage. And I used that kind of like as my warehouse. And I had pallets of like, I mean, hundreds of like wrench sets, screwdriver set, like all this stuff. I'm like, how am I ever going to get rid of all this? So like, I just packed up my, my, I used to, I used to drive like a crappy Jeep Grand Cherokee in high school. So I packed it up one day before school. And after school, I started going around to the tire shops and mechanics and I had this little like scanner on my phone and I would scan it and say, Hey, whatever this comes up on the app or whatever, I'll give it to you for half off. So I started selling, you know, some of these tools after school. And I ended up meeting this guy that was like, Hey, how many sets of these do you have? And I was like, excuse me. I was like, ah, like 300 sets of these little wrenches and screwdrivers. Right. Like, All right. Well, I'll give you, you know, nine bucks a unit. And my cost per pallet was like, you know, hundred bucks, 150 bucks, whatever. So I was like, hmm, okay. So I went and I, I mean, it was like a thousand dollars or something that I was able to do with that. So I paid my dad back. I started reinvesting. I mean, every time I'd go and 
restock up on the pallets. And then after school, I'd go spend the afternoon driving around hitting these, you know, tire shops, auto mechanic shops. Now it was an incredible summer. I had worked for, you know, an hour or two and make three or $4,000. It was great money. And it taught me a lesson because I 100% blew through all that money in the <laughs> summer. So, <laughs> you know, it was, it was good. It's cool. That's really cool. Wow. Yeah, what a story. It was different. <laughs> Okay, so let's move to the second question, which is what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? The Richest Man in Babylon. In all honesty, I think that to me, you know, when it talks about paying yourself first is very important. Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of real estate investors struggle with, right? It's like, oh, you know, I'll get to myself later. I'll just reinvest it in the deal. And I think that as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, we tend to tell ourselves that I'm just reinvesting in the business. And then your quality of life starts to come down, right? And I'm not saying right. that you shouldn't be sacrificing, you shouldn't be, you know, in the hustle. But mm -hmm. I think that there are some very basic lessons that I took away from that book that have helped me really reconsider how I want to grow. And mm -hmm. I try to read that, you know, once a year or so, just as a little bit of a reminder. But I really enjoyed that book. I do. Very cool. All right. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes if anyone wants to check out The Richest Man in Babylon. Third question. What's a skill or talent that you'd like to learn? I would like to learn a foreign language. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't exactly know which one, maybe Spanish, I'm not sure, but I'd like to get to the point where I could go immerse myself, you know, in a country for a few months and really learn the language. Yeah. And I'm not really doing anything like that right now. I think it's, to me, it is incredibly impressive when I meet someone who is bilingual. You know, I think that that's just such a great skill to have, not just from a business standpoint, but just building more relationships when you can yeah. speak the same dialogue, you know, speak the same language as someone, the relationship is much different. I feel like hundred percent. And I think that that is something that's becoming less and less in our society today. Yeah. I mean, especially when you can just put in Google voice and like, exactly. <laughs> like translate it exactly. on the spot. Yeah, right. no, for sure. For someone who speaks three languages fluently, I can attest to the fact that it's, it's cool. Yeah. It's very impressive. It opens up. You're absolutely right. It definitely opens you up to, you know, to whole new set of people. But the amazing thing is that you really do. The only way to really do it is simply to immerse yourself, to go somewhere yep. and learn it that way, immersing yourself in the society, the yep. culture. Burn the boats. <laughs> yeah, you got to do it. Uh, fourth and final question, Zach, what does success mean to you? To me, you know, I think I kind of alluded to it earlier is freedom, you know, in general, freedom of your time, right? Having the ability to really wake up every morning and just be thankful and enjoy what you have going on, right? I think sometimes we discount that for more, you know, for more, 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 right? And to me, having the ability to have the freedom of time, at least right now, and, and I'm hoping to continue to build that out even more so, is something I really have enjoyed and continue to look forward to. I sometimes find it a little bit weird when it's the middle of the day and I'm like, you know, maybe doing something much different than what, you know, rest of the population is right. Whether that be something more along the lines of like recreational or, mm -hmm. you know, because you're almost hard on yourself in a way where like, man, am I, you know, should I be at work? Should I be doing this? Should, right. And I think if being very self-aware, you know, kind of helps you understand at least personally where you're at, what you're working towards. And that's something that I've really worked hard out over the last couple of years. That's why I really put my head to the grindstone as I was in college and getting out of college to allow myself that freedom. So to me, yeah, that's success right there is just being able to have complete freedom of your time. Sure. Because 
to me, you can go out and chase more money. You can go out and chase more and more and more of this, that, the other, but time is the only thing that we all share that is, it's not infinite, right? Right. We're only here for a short time yeah. and our physical bodies, right? So not trying to get weird on you. No, not at all. It is true, right? Absolutely. So you talk to people that are older, they're like, man, I got all this money, but I wish I had my time. And you kind of go the other way and you got all these young guys. They're like, man, I need more money. I need more money. I need more money. And they don't realize, you know, the time that, that they have is very precious. Yeah. Well, you've definitely come to that realization at a relatively young age. So, uh, you know, I wish you much continued success doing well, thank that. You. Thank you. Thank you. And where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? I'm pretty active on my email. So, you know, feel free to reach out. It's Zach at ZachHarrett.com. I'm relatively active on social media and Instagram, just Zach.Harrith. But yeah, feel free to shoot me an email. I love to connect with people and, you know, try to travel and get out and, you know, have some more friends. You can never have enough of those folks, right? Absolutely. So. Well, awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out today and well, hey, thank you. great catching up. Likewise. And to all our listeners, thank you guys for joining all the way to the end. Once again, remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.